From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Well, thanks for inviting me into your home. Long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi. Your parents' well-appointed rec room with the shag carpeting, simulated wood paneling, and the painting of dogs playing poker. Your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. And a big hearty how-do. To everyone listening in on one of our affiliate stations across North America, hello, all of you using the Conspiracy Show app. Hiya to everyone watching the live stream on our YouTube channel, Strange Planet, and uh, to those of you assembled in the live chat. However, and wherever you're listening or watching, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. Mary Joyce, founder and editor of Skyships over Cashiers.com is with us, a fabulous website documenting all sorts of strange activity, UFO sightings, Bigfoot sightings, little people sightings, uh, reports of hidden underground bases, whistleblower testimony, a testimony about underground bases. And we are now opening up the phone lines for questions and comments. We'll get to some other bases, but I want to, I want to come back to, uh, underwater UFOs. Uh, first of all, this lake, uh, near the Perry Center. How large is it where these UFOs have been seen? I don't know how to give you the size, but it's not a real big lake. No. It's is it not deep? one of those that sprawls out or, you know, a lot of lakes up here, they've actually dammed up rivers and you have like lakes that have lots of little fingers in them and they can get quite large. Uh, this would be more like a lake that just, I don't know, had a spring source of water and, you know, it comes closer to being a round lake. Right, right. And people have seen entire crafts coming out of the lake, going into the lake. That's what several people have told me they have seen. I have not sat out there and seen them myself. So sometimes you just have to trust that somebody is telling the truth. And that's one of the reasons that I like to interview people in person when I can. You can tell so much uh, when you're face-to-face with somebody. Their credibility is a little bit easier to read. Um, like one witness... Um, uh, I actually went to his house. I was able to see his military credentials. They were, you know, he had a whole shelf of them. And uh, he certainly wouldn't have concocted all that just to, you know, talk to me for the first time. So uh, Was he active, active military or retired? Um, he, uh, let's see, this particular one that I'm referring to, which is a total different story, um, he was in very high security, cosmic uh, level, and even though he is technically retired because he had uh, some injuries, um, he still is active in some way or another because every once in a while he'll call with a little clue about something I might want to follow up on. Cosmic level, what does that mean, do you suppose? Uh, I'm sure there's a definition for it. Um, uh, I haven't met that many people that have that kind of level of, of um, secrecy. Um, I know that one man that had it, he was fully aware of the whole E.T., um, you know, situation, uh, was mm-hmm. very much involved with it. So maybe that's an aspect of it. It's certainly not all of it. Um, but there's got to be a nef- definition somewhere. And uh, are there lakes near the Smoky Mountain National Park base where UFOs have been seen? No. No. Mm-hmm. 
Anything else you want to tell me about these underwater UFOs before yeah, we proceed? I was at um, a Bigfoot conference in Georgia not that terribly long ago, and I was talking to a man. Uh, actually, I was looking for Bigfoot stories for the website, and the more I talked to him, um, I got a totally different story out of him, which I thought was much more interesting. And he had been in the Navy for 10 years, and he, for half of that time he was a sonar tech on surface ships that track submarines all over the world. And during that, those five years, he had five instances where uh, they saw uh, underwater craft. And he said that they were, he said their ship was uh, 560 feet long and about 60 to 70 feet wide, and these were bigger than their ship. Um, they were uh, required to report them as bioluminescence. And a bioluminescence is, is some kind of little tiny creature that lives in the water that is self-illuminating. A lot of yes. times they'll go in schools, and so you'll see like a, a, a wave of color going through the water. So they were required to list them as bioluminescence, uh, but he said there's no way that you would have, uh, let's say, a school of these little tiny creatures um, that would be that size and and move at the speed they were moving um he said they were moving at 45 knots and of course i had to go look it up that's about 51 52 miles an hour and there's no amoeba looking uh, creature that i know of that could move at that speed um so they saw them go under their their uh, uh ship uh, on five different occasions and they would change color um, just like many of the UFOs in the sky will rotate blue and, and yellow and red and different colors, he said these did the same thing. He said they were yellow, and then they would turn all blue, and then they would turn all red. And again, uh, little critters just wouldn't be doing that. The reason I thought it was neat to get that story is because, yes. you know, I'm here in dry land, so to get a, a face-to-face meeting with somebody who has actually seen them out at sea and around the world... I thought it was kind of neat. Right. Are these UFO sightings and this all of this chatter about these hidden bases, does any of this filter into the, the mainstream media? Do you get any reports in the paper or on radio or the local TV stations about any of this? As you know, we're finally getting regular media giving some coverage to the whole subject of UFOs, which, you know, 10 years ago that was not happening. Right, so, right. Um, but this is not broken into the public realm the way uh, the UFOs finally have. Um, for years, there's been stories about uh, facilities out in the West that are secret and underground, um, mm-hmm. you know, beyond Area 51, you know, Area 52 and Tonopah and uh, Dulce and Scandia Mountains. I mean, there's been lots out, out in the Western part. But the reason that I wrote the book, Underground Military Bases, hidden in North Carolina mountains is because I hadn't seen anything about facilities in this area. And if it had already been covered, I wouldn't have uh, taken it on as a project. And you know of five uh, alone in one state, in North Carolina, five in one state. There may be more, do you suspect? Right. Now, there's underground boring machines, which are really, all I can do is compare them to something bigger than a, a, a train, and they're uh, cylinder shape, and they just can, you know, hone right through uh, solid material. And that's what's used to create I, the tunnels 
uh, which I believe co- connect many of these facilities. Um, at one time, I was in connection with uh, two men who were uh, former Air Force guys, and they were investigating uh, Perry and some of the other facilities. Uh, they were the ones that saw the um, guy in a SWAT suit uh, guarding Perry Gate at one point. But um, they felt very strongly that there was like an underground subway system that went from Washington, D.C., down the uh, Appalachian Mountains, you know, down to where we are here in North Carolina. And uh, uh, some of the reports we've gotten from just residents in the area, um, they will tell us things like they hear underground machinery and vibrations, but they will only last for a certain amount of time. Many of those reports have been from people who live on the Balsam Ridge. So Perry is on the south end of this uh, ridge, and if you were to keep going south, uh, going north from there, you'd eventually run into the Smoky Mountain National Park. So you have to think that maybe a connection tunnel was being made there. You just said something very interesting, uh, that... You, you, you talk to someone in the U.S. Air Force who is investigating. It sounds to me like people in the military aren't even aware of what's going on in these bases. Otherwise, why would they be investigating what the military is doing? Well, They're investigating these, themselves? These two gentlemen were with the Air Force. They didn't begin to do their own investigating until they left the Air Force. Right, right. And they probably wouldn't have had the freedom to do that, you know, if they were still in the military. Sure, sure. Uh, let's grab a call here. David is in Vermont. David, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Good morning. Yeah, hi, hi Richard. Uh, great show last night also. Uh, Thank you. Sloan Bella. Thank you for that, by the way. Um, yes, uh, Mary, um, uh, do you believe um, uh, that hotel that you mentioned earlier, though, that was the Greenbrier, I believe. Yeah, that's happened. it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, um, do you believe that um, there's, a, like, the hollow earth theory that maybe we're trying to get to, you know, the hollow earth where supposedly Shangri-La exists? Do you believe in anything like that? I don't think we're digging to get down into the center hollow earth, but there is a whole lot of the earth that uh, uh, is hollow, um, so I wouldn't. I don't know exactly how it works, but they're finding more and more evidence, um, especially in Antarctica right now, um, where they're finding you know cave-like structures and apparently remnants of old forest and old uh, civilizations, and it gets to be really quite complicated. But once you get into some of the caves in, the, in any part of the world, you begin to realize that the Earth. Uh, is much more like Swiss cheese. Um, I went to uh, Carlsbad a bunch of years ago. That place is huge. It seems like it, if I remember correctly, it's between 75 and 80 stories deep, and it's just humongous. So there's a lot of hollow spaces in the earth. Um, I'm not ready to, um, I don't know, fully endorse the idea of a center core that's totally hollow. I don't know about that, but there's a lot down there that is hollow. I mean, I read that there's a, um, a whole race of uh, people uh, living in the hollow earth. Uh, you, 
um, heard anything about that? Or yeah, uh, uh, that starts way back with uh, Admiral Byrd, and he yeah. if one he has two diaries. One of them uh, was less well known, but it's the one where he talks about flying into uh, this uh, almost like an under you know hollow earth uh, uh, yeah. society. And yeah. uh, he was a very credible man, and so you have to consider that um, he was telling the truth. Was that Dave, down in Dave. South America, at the tip of South America, I believe? I, I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. Was that, that was in, like, uh, south, southern South America? No, the South Pole. He flew over the South Pole and, and yeah, saw this yeah, opening. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm sorry, Richard. Yeah. yeah. That's right. David, thank you for the call. Great question. Uh, Richard, uh, can I just tell you yes. something? Yes. Go ahead. Uh, Judy Byington, Judy Byington, B-Y-I-N-G-T-O-N, author of 22 Faces, okay? Um, Judy Byington, 22 Faces. 22 Faces author, great future guest. Thank you. I'll look into that. All right, David from Vermont. Thank you. A couple of things. The the idea that uh, you mentioned these, you know, huge underground caverns that are just naturally existing is that perhaps why they're choosing those these locations underneath national parks, underneath the mountains that, in North Carolina? That's very, very logical. Um, it would save a whole lot of effort if you're simply expanding a large cavern or cave that's already there. And right. uh, it would save a lot of effort. Um, that's certainly the case down in Antarctica. Uh, apparently the facilities there, which... Um, uh, ETs and the Nazis have both ac- occupied. Uh, they were made um, by volcanic, you know, hollowed-out tunnels from volcanoes. Yes. And yes. many people will still be surprised that one of the most active volcanic regions in the world is in the western part of Antarctica. Right, right. This is why a lot of the ice is melting there, uh, because sure of all the uh, the volcanic activity. Sorry? Uh, I'm sure that's a factor. Right, right, no, no question. Uh, the um, the possible connection then between uh, the UFOs and these bases. Do you have any information that these craft may be uh, human in origin? In other words, engineered by some advanced. Uh, you know, aviation program within the military. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, it, it's getting harder and harder to sort them out because uh, our military technical skills are way beyond whatever they choose to let us know about. And uh, I'm always suspicious of the small triangular craft. I, I really do not think that, I do think that some of those are man-made. Um so, yeah, you have to be a whole lot careful uh, anymore because they could be our military. You say the small triangular craft. We have these yeah, reports the of these huge... I just don't see how we would be able to pull that off at this point. Like the one that flew over uh, Phoenix, that right. was huge. And that's hard to imagine that maybe we've gotten that far. Um, but the smaller crafts, you do have to wonder... Um, I had one uh, guy who contacted me a, bun- a whole bunch of years ago, and he was riding his motorcycle not far from where I live, and he said there was this low-flying uh, UFO, and it was flying so low that he could see 
um, a, a human in it who was a man who was laughing at him because apparently, uh, according to his story, they were having fun in scaring the man on the motorbike. So yeah, there's um, we have some cowboys in the military and <laughs> some cowboys. I like that. Um, any disappearances, strange disappearances in and around these? These bases you mentioned because one of the whistleblowers talked about, uh, people, you know, being subjected to sort of mind control experiments, have, experiments, having their memories wiped. Have the, have, I mean, are they experimenting on locals? Are people being swept off the street? Are people disappearing in these parks? Um, Roswell, uh, Rosman is the closest town of any size to the Perry facility. And, People are very, very cautious about talking about things in that town. Um, I did get contacted by a man who was in uh, the Department of Social Services, and he, I can't remember all the the terms that they use, but he was getting cases of satanic, um, uh, I don't know, abuse of children and, and some very strange behavior. And when he reported it to the state, let's see, what was it? It's like the state FBI. I don't know what it's called right now. And um, they took the case away from him and wouldn't told him not to talk about it. So little pieces like that just make you more and more suspicious of what's going on. But that's certainly not proof. No, no, but it is, as you say, <laughs> Disturbing to say the least. Uh, have you have you ventured into Rosman and poked around a little bit? Um, in Rosman, the town I have. And I was hoping is to, it, you know to get stories, but at this point, I have not been able to see. So, how do people know, re- how do people react when you bring it up? Are they I nervous? Uh, yeah, they they kind of want to quickly change the subject or say they don't know anything about it or. And some of these people should know something about it. Like, anyhow, I don't know. Maybe one of these days I'll get lucky. Hmm. Steve is in Wilson. Is that Wilson, New York, Steve? Yes, Rich. How are you? Terrific. Thank you for calling. Richard. Yeah, uh, you guys are talking about the tunnels and all that stuff. Okay, well, i got a good good uh, thing for you here. Uh, I live between Lockport and Wilson out here in the country, right across the creek from you. And uh, I'm going to say it was after 2011 in the summertime. Uh, there was about three or four nights when my wife and I would go to bed. And as soon as our ears hit the pillows, we could hear a vibration, a humming. And uh, we, we looked outside. We're, you know, we, we making sure nothing's on the house. Everything's dead silence. But yet when we put our ears to the pillows, we could hear the hum. It was coming from, I, I swear to God, it was coming from underneath us somewhere. They were probably tunneling in our area. It lasted maybe three, four days tops, and then it stopped. It went away. Yeah, hmm. that sounds like the reports we've gotten, and it, it doesn't last very long. Can you find uh, two points where they might be trying to connect things underground? Uh, I, I couldn't tell you. All I know is, is I'm probably 10 miles from the air base up here outside of Niagara Falls. Well, that's, if that has anything to do with it, maybe okay. I don't know, but uh, I, I know they're close. I can tell you that for a fact. Uh, if a right, military Steve, base is close, that uh, that would make you more suspicious. Thank you for that's the call. So, 
Yep. Oh, yeah, no yeah. problem. Thanks for having my call, guys. My pleasure. Thank you. More of my conversation with Mary Joyce, editor, founder, Skyships over cashiers.com, underground bases, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. We'll go right back to the phones for Mary Joyce. So, if they are tunneling and connecting all of these bases, military bases above ground, military bases below ground, other installations, uh, I mean, they must have some pretty amazing technology, high speed. Maglev trains. I don't know. What, what do you what do you hear? Uh, well, uh, I'm going to jump around just a little bit, but I'll stay underground with you. Um, we just posted a story. It's right at the top on the um, on the homepage now, I believe. Let me make sure I'm telling you the truth. But there was a story real recently um, on June 19th of this year uh, that there was a UFO hovering over Dayton or over Wright Patterson Air Force Base. For three right. hours, and uh, this is not an ordinary base. It's primarily known for secretly storing ET bodies and debris from yes. the Roswell crash. Uh, there have also been reports of the military interacting with live ETs. But here's the underground part. Um, I got to interview a man. Uh, uh, his name is Woody. He grew up around um, the base, and he told me that uh, Monsanto Research Corporation has an underground facility beneath that base, right, Patterson, that is associated with three things that he mentioned. He mentioned nuclear weapons research, uh, the old Manhattan Project, and nuclear power systems for the U.S. space program. He said that an insider had told him that the Monsanto facility is so large that they have horizontal elevators to use to get around uh, the facility. Hmm. So Amazing. there we go with another, uh, you know, underground facility. Uh, this isn't uh, exactly on topic, but it is with the Wright-Patterson uh, base. Um, this man that, go, you know, we just used his first name, Woody, and he said that uh, occasionally Wright-Patterson will shoot laser beams at the moon. And he said this used to happen when he was a teenager, and he and other teens uh, would congregate around the base whenever they would see this laser beam being shot because usually UFOs showed up after that. So I found that kind interesting. of interesting. But that's just been posted, and if you can get to um, our, our webpage, it's at the very top of uh, the column on the right-hand side. I see it. Yes, there it is. There it is. So shipsovercashiers.com, if you're on the homepage, it is the very first story. Uh, and it is titled, Why Did UFO Hover Over This Air Force Base? And you said that was June 19th, which is interesting because I was on a baseball road trip with my boys. We were in Cincinnati to see a ball game on the 19th, but then the very next day, 
uh, we passed, um, was it the next day? Now, I'm, I'm a little cloudy on this, but we passed Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, at least the exit, uh, and we passed through Dayton uh, in and around that time. So we just missed well, you were it. We there. just you missed might have, it. <laughs> might actually have been able to see it, huh? Well, had we been, uh, had we had time to, to take that, I wanted to go to Wright Pat, and because there's a museum there that's, that's open to the public, parts of the base are open to the public. Uh, and this, I mean, how, how many, how many UFOs, was it just one seen hovering it over the base? It was one that hovered over the base for three hours. The time length is My really word. quite incredible. That is. And I was able to pull off two photos that we have posted with that story. Uh, that came from a video by TV7 in Dayton. And the reporters there uh, did their job. They tried to find an earthly explanation for this uh, UFO, and they checked with the National Weather Service and the hot air balloon companies, and none had any balloons flying at that time. And, of course, they checked with the base, and as you might expect, uh, they didn't know anything about it. Three hours. That's unprecedented. Yeah, there's no way that somebody at that base didn't know about that. I mean, that's ridiculous. But, um, Mm. you know, just the way it is. Yes. I'm so sorry I missed it. I was right there. (laughs) All right. Uh, You mentioned Sugarloaf. Tell me about this base in North Carolina. Well, um, I I went there in uh, 2010 for the first time, and I was able to have an interview with a woman who um, she and her husband lived at the very top of the mountain and there's only like um, I can't remember if it's six or eight but it's just a small cluster of homes Um, and then you have to like hike and there's a gate and there's some kind of facility above that and to get there at that time it's changed a bit since then but at 2010 it was a, a single lane gravel road with lots of hairpin turns to get up there. Um, and she told me at that time that she had seen um, like a major helicopter drop earth-moving equipment at the top of the mountain, which would be up a little higher than where the houses were. And there, there were lights being, uh, you know, uh, illuminating the place. And there was all sorts of activity all night long. And the next morning, she and her husband jumped the fence and climbed up there to see if they could see what had been going on. And she said there was fresh sod all over the top up there. So they had done something and then resodded it. And she said it was, you know, very fresh because it was like, she described it as like walking on a new grave because it was so um, soft and spongy. Um, And while I was interviewing her, I was at her dining room table, and where I was seated, I could look out her front window, and there was one of these um, uh, military um, unmarked uh, SUVs that came by her house real, real slowly, looked toward us, went to the end of the little road, turned around and came back and did the real slow thing uh, going back the other way. And I just felt like they knew we were in there talking about that. And, oh, yes. Uh, she has seen, you know, lots of vehicles going up and down that mountain. Uh, when she's climbed over the fence and gone up there, she has seen car tracks or vehicle tracks that go right up to um, a solid brick wall. 
and that's impossible. You know, tires are round, and you have a bumper part in front of the tire, so there's no way the the track is going to go absolutely right up to the wall, and yet uh, that's what happened, or that's what they saw, uh, implying that something opens up and, and, you know, the trucks can drive right in. Um, what's even more interesting is two years later, I was able to interview uh, three people who were in the cleaning business. They would go to people's homes and clean, and they knew uh, the story that we had posted from 2010, and they said that uh, everything had changed in two years. Um, they saw um, about 20 Pike electrical trucks. These are the really big ones that often go to uh, uh, emergency situations or where there's been a disaster. And there were these huge um, cable spools with real thick cables and very... Um, uh, big towers, and these, this cable, this big giant cable or cables, were being strung up the mountain, going up to the top. Well, why would you have giant cables uh, going up to the top of a mountain where supposedly there's only six or eight houses? Um, uh, I don't know. And they've also improved the road uh, and made it bigger. Uh, there's a lot more activity on the road. They've seen uh, unmarked. Um, suburban SUVs, they've seen Black Hawk, uh, Hawk helicopters. So all of that changed in just two years. And again, um, if you look on Google Earth, would you, would you see anything around this sugar yeah, loaf? Well, I don't know. I, I, in my book, I actually have a, an aerial view of the very top of the mountain. I don't know if it's still available. I haven't checked it in some time. But when you get when you get this looking straight down, it looks exactly like um, uh, a missile silo. And a missile silo typically is in two sections, and the larger section is um, like an octagon shape, and then there's a smaller round section. And in the book, I have that aerial view, and then I also have a diagram of a missile launch control center, um, and you can see how similar uh, the two, uh, you know, look. So something's going on there that's beyond ordinary stuff. Any UFO sightings around Sugarloaf? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, this, yeah, uh, she would see UFOs, um, you know, fly over the mountain, fly low over the mountain, hover over the mountain. Um, she also saw something that was quite odd. She and her husband were driving into town, and again, at that point, it was this winding gravel road, and before they got down to a major highway, there was this, like, little baby uh, UFO, a round thing, uh, that had landed by the side of the road. She wanted to get out and check it out, and her husband grabbed her and, you know, wouldn't <laughs> let her get out of the car, and he took off. Good But it, good it looked like a Listen. scout, scout uh, vehicle of some kind. Fascinating. All right. Another quick time out, Mary. Stay with us. The Conspiracy Show returns in a moment. Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
Mary Joyce uh, is with us, and again, the website skyshipsovercashiers.com. We're talking hidden underground bases in North Carolina, at least five by her count. What is going on there? What is going on deep underground, underneath Smoky Mountain National Park, underneath Sugarloaf, underneath Mount Mitchell, underneath Chimney Rock State Park? Speaking of Chimney Rock State Park, let's talk about that one. First of all, where is Chimney Rock State Park in relation to the other bases? It would be pretty much south of Asheville, so it would be further east than either Perry or Smoky Mountain. So what do we hear about the hidden base there? Well, what I, um, during the break, I, I had to refer to my own book because I didn't want to give you false information. I'd like to read a quote by one of the witnesses who was there both in uh, before 2010 and saw what the old road was like, and then she was there in 2012 when everything was being changed. And this is what she had to say, and it's about the size and the magnitude of, of the project. She said the electrical lines that were being installed are so huge that you'd expect a giant sports stadium at the end of them. Each concrete pole is about five to six feet in diameter. The lines are about ten inches thick, and there were multiple lines, not just one. I, I saw the lines being strung from giant cable spools that may have been ten to twelve feet in diameter. The new electrical lines go up to the very top of the mountain and then under the ground. I should add that every time I go to that mountain, I see some kind of suspicious vehicle that seems to be guarding or monitoring the area. So that gives you a size. I mean, a pole that's five to six feet in diameter is huge. And a, right. a cable that is uh, ten inches thick is huge. And uh, the fact it goes up to the top and then under the ground um, just confirms that there is something major going on beneath that. Uh, one of the other witnesses, the one I talked to from her house or at her house, uh, she said at one time there was a huge explosion underneath the ground, and the next day um, there was a, I don't know which order it came in, but uh, there was a piece of equipment that was brought up the mountain, and it was covered with a tarp. Uh, there were guards uh, walking alongside it on each side, and then later on the same truck came down with something else covered in a tarp. And she just figured a major piece of equipment had gone out and they had replaced it. So that was some pretty noisy evidence that something is going on beneath the ground. Right. But why would they have to cover it? What kind of a piece of equipment was that? My God, it's like every week there's another episode of The X-Files playing out in yeah, North Carolina. It, you know, I wish that I could give you absolute information of why this is happening. All I can do is continue to reveal these strange oddities. And again, some of these things come out in little pieces that don't make sense by themselves. But the Chimney Rock State Park, they bought up more land and they, they expanded it. Well, they've expanded it toward Sugarloaf Mountain, which means that none of the land on that side of the facility can be bought up. And that keeps a buffer around the facility. Right. That's very reminiscent of what they were doing out in uh, Groom Lake with Area 51. They just kept expanding the boundaries so that you couldn't get close to it. Right. 
They're not as well-known, obviously, as Area 51. Which one do you refer to as the new Area 51, by the way? The newest one I'm aware of is the Smoky Mountain one. Okay. that's Is that what you call the new Area 51? Well, no, I don't call anything Area no, 51, ah. but that is the newest of the fil- okay. facilities I'm aware of. All right. But are they starting to attract especially the ones where there's UFO activity, are they starting to attract anywhere near the interest that we saw in Area 51? No, uh-uh, no way. I mean, most people, you know, wouldn't even know about this. And, and they can't know. be pleased, they, who's ever responsible, can't be pleased that you know about it and that you're talking about it. Do you ever suspect that you're being monitored? Well, I'll get off into a little bit of... I, I've always had this guiding feeling that I get, and I, if I get in a very relaxed state, I will get information. I was told in an undeniable voice that I personally was not to set foot beyond the gate of the Perry Center. There was no explanation, but <clears throat> that, that um, form of getting information has been uh, accurate for me for my whole life, and uh, I'm not going to uh, put myself in jeopardy. That sounds like voice to skull. Is that what we're talking? B2K? What are you calling it? Voice to skull technology. V2K. I I, I regard this more as a spiritual um, Ah. type of uh, direction. And you might, let me squeeze one more thing in here that um, I haven't even put on the website Okay, can I get you to hold on to that? Mary, I'll get you to hold on to that. We're pressed up here against a break. We'll do that as soon as we come back. Mary Joyce, Underground Bases, North Carolina. The Conspiracy Show. When you look at the sky, ever wonder if someone's looking back? This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett from Zoomer Radio. To speak with Richard live, call 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. All right, welcome back. Just a, a programming note. Uh, next week on the uh, the broadcast, uh, Cayman Mythwood will be uh, here in the first half hour. Cayman is the uh, the creator of Occulticon, which is a, a conference happening in September, Occulticon 2019, up in Holstein, Ontario, which I guess is about 90 minutes northwest of Toronto. And it's a beautiful event, a campground called Mythwood. Apparently, it's the highest campground in Ontario. It's kind of equidistant between all of the Great Lakes. It's a beautiful, beautiful uh, setting. And uh, I will be speaking there. On uh, Saturday, September the 14th, but I'm going to be there for part of the weekend. Occulticon runs from September the 13th, which is a Friday, Saturday the 14th, and Sunday the 15th, and uh, all sorts of uh, great speakers. Uh, and um, so Cayman will be with us, Cayman Mythwood, uh, next Sunday to talk about uh, Occulticon. And then David John Oates of Reverse Speech Radio. Will be uh, will be here as well, and uh, he'll be actually he'll be the uh, the first guest out of the shoot uh, next week, and we'll um, we'll be instituting that as a regular feature 
the uh, the second Sunday of every month. David John Oates from Reverse Speech Radio. He'll share some reversals with us on the program. And then uh, in the second hour of next week's program, John Zeta is a Toronto journalist who's written a brand new book on uh, Sasquatch. So he'll be with us for the uh, the second half. That's all next week on The Conspiracy Show. And uh, for more information, go to strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca. Uh, that is the uh, the portal to all of my projects. There's also a live events and appearances page at Strange Planet. Go there for more information on my upcoming appearance at Occulticon 2019. All right. Mary Joyce stays with us for the uh, the final segment. And we're talking underground bases. I was asking you uh, about... Before you do that, before you do that, let me hook on to what you were just saying. Um, Most of the, uh, you know, UFO Congress, uh, you know, conventions are out on the West Coast. And there is a big one that's planned in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's called the Alien Expo. They run it all together. It's XPO, Alien Expo in Knoxville. And I will be speaking there on August 18th. Uh, at 10.15 in the morning. And the reason I mention it is uh, especially because I will be showing, uh, it's essentially a photo show that goes along with what we've been talking about tonight. And it will be about uh, UFOs and uh, underground bases. Um, the photos will include some great ones that I've never seen anywhere else of UFOs or uh, right around the sun. And they're huge. <clears throat> and these pictures are phenomenal. So ah. if anybody is close to that, it's Alien Expo, Knoxville, Tennessee, August 18th. Terrific. Uh, now, before the break, we were talking, I was asking you whether you'd ever felt that you were being monitored, and you said that you, from time to time, you hear this voice in your head telling you to stay away from, do not go through the gates at, at Perry Center. And uh, you wanted to add something just before... We had to cut you short there because of the break. Do you remember what that was? You wanted well, to add something to that? I was going to tell you because that kind of, I was saying that uh, I've gotten like spiritual directions or messages for ever and ever, it seems. And when they come through real strong, I pay attention to them. I've learned the hard way that you better not pay, you know, you shouldn't ignore them. But um, I've got a story that will be posted on the website maybe um, next week. And... It's about my own experience when I lived on Cocoa Beach between Kennedy Space Center and Patrick Air Force Base. And this was back in the 1980s. And I was fortunate to meet a number of people who worked at NASA. And one of them was an engineer who lived just down the beach from me. And one day he arrived at my door with a gift. And it was a box of 24 books. That surprised me. But... They were not ordinary books. It was a complete collection of esoteric philosophy books written by Alice Bailey. And uh, um, she is a, she was a theo- theosophical um, writer, and it explains uh, spirituality related to the solar system, destiny of nations, meditation, healing, telepathy, all sorts of things. She was one of the first people to use uh, the term New Age and the term Age of Aquarius. And the thing that surprised me even more than this gift of these books was that he said that many of his colleagues had read them. So you don't think about uh, NASA engineers uh, reading uh, spiritual 
see if I can't even talk this late at night. Um, That's all right, theosophical. Esoteric books, you know, you just right. don't, uh, but apparently they do, or at least some of them do. And uh, like I said, that'll be posted, uh, should be posted next week. Or maybe right. by the end so, of this week if I'm lucky. Ah, terrific. And again, it's skyshipsovercashiers.com. And there's con- contact information there, presumably. Uh, I mean, is there uh, kind of a special hotline for whistleblowers, or how do they generally contact you? If you go to the website, the best way is usually to reach me by email. If you go on the home page, there's something about, you know, how to report a sighting. Uh, and there's my regular snail mail address and my email address. Um, and that's probably the best way to reach me. And I should Terrific. also mention before we run out of time totally, if the topics of underground bases, um, you know, are of interest to a lot of your listeners, um, I do have a book. You can get it through Amazon, and it's titled um, Underground Military Bases uh, Hidden in North Carolina Mountains. And we've also linked up to that on uh, strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca, so people go to the homepage and uh, click on the radio show, the conspiracy show. It's right there under uh, the guest's name, Mary Joyce. Okay, thank uh, you very much. Mary, thank you so much. Always a pleasure, and I, I hope we can do it again soon. And I hope next time you get close to a UFO, you get to see it. <laughs> i got to get back to right, Pat. All right, thank you, you again. Have a good evening. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks to Owen Wolf and Ryan White. Back next week, as I mentioned. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the housetops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Or at least up the stairs. Good night.